0: RNZ National Friday afternoon means time for Critter of the Week. I'm joined by Nicola Tookie from Forest and Bird. Hi, Nicola.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, kia ora, nice to talk to you. And um, we're going to begin today's Critter episode with a shout out uh, to a group who does some awesome work near my old hometown of Hamilton. They are on the Maunga. Is it big enough to be called a Maunga? I think so. Pirongia.
1: Pirongia. I don't know. I'm a bit um, judgy about Zealanders <laughs> calling Maunga. Mowing it when um you know, when you're used to having the Southern Alps. Um,
0: yeah. So <laughs> we'll allow it. We'll yeah, allow yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you reckon is the height of Perongia? It's gonna be hundreds of meters, isn't it? Nine hundred and
1: fifty nine. Yeah, nine hundred and fifty nine. So, you know, it's a baby mountain from a
0: south
1: Island, perspective. But we'll allow it yeah. because the um the work of the um Mount perongia uh society, the perongia Te Arul or Kahu, Restoration society are turning twenty one and um they are an amazing group of people who've done incredible work and and I can evidence that by telling the story of what happened to kwaca on Perongia. so um back in the nineties and this happened in a number of places around the country uh Kōkako, the down on uh, sorry out on Perongia, um there were just two old bloke Kōkako left, um, which is an, a, a great example of what happens if you don't have sustained pest control mm-hmm. in place for birds such as Kōkako, because, of course, all the uh, females sitting on chicks and eggs uh, get taken out by the predators, right? And so, unfortunately, perongia was no longer safe for Kōkako, but over the last two decades plus one, um, this group have just done incredible work, basically... Uh, in terms of getting rid of possums, um, stoats and rats, getting them down to such a number that in the last five years they have actually been able to reintroduce over 50 Kokaku from Puriota Forest kind of down the road and Tiritiri Mātangi um, and the breeding has been really successful. Gosh. So they've, um They've made it work. You know, sometimes when you're doing pest control and we do it because it's the right thing to do and so we busily, you know, and you go out there and slay rats all over the place, for example, but being able to evidence that by bringing back a bird that simply can't exist with yeah. high numbers of pests, I think, is an incredible
0: achievement. It is, and it's not easy work. It's easy to say the word pest control, <laughs> but yeah. the but the day-to-day um, uh, grit of it requires you to be checking the same old traps, heavy traps, cleaning yep. them, resetting them, rebating them, sometimes emptying them. I mean, that's a it's you know full-time and- full-time job really.
1: Pretty much, and of course it's all volunteer. So yeah. um, there are, I think they put in 2,500 bait stations over 250 kilometres of access tracks, right? And that's not even including the um, the Stoat and the Rat Trap. So mm. you're right, there's an enormous amount of work. Uh, we get to take some of the credit though, Jesse. Yeah. Because um, they have been in touch with me and pointed out that they were recipients of some of our Critter T-shirts. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> our funding. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: So they're part of the Critifano. Um and
0: I love it when I get credit without having to get dirty.
1: <laughs> Same. Um so <laughs> they are having they are celebrating uh their twenty first birthday. Probably won't be a Yadi uh involved, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought. Um on the fourth uh of November at the Perongia Memorial Hall, uh, right. and you're going to tell stories about
0: their history and their successes. And Fantastic. The Love a success story. And you are full of them, because if all we talked about was the failures and the devastation uh, that's going on out there, no one would ever have the energy to do anything. Um, so well done, guys. And you're going to introduce introduce us to quite a small critter of the week today. Um, actually, when you look at it on our photo, Jesse, You can't really tell how... Small it is, but I see from your notes, under one point five millimeters long. The males—that's about the size of a grain of sand.
1: That's right, uh, about the size of a grain of sand. And because they are, you know, small small in stature, they have a fantastic name. They uh, today we're talking about the Hobbit Coolfi Cylid
2: <laughs> Belt.
1: Solid, I would say, uh, and its scientific name is Scylla Frodo Eye. Oh,
0: what? <laughs> so it's not just one of these nicknames that your team have given them to be memorable. It's actually part of its um, scientific name too.
1: Yes, and it seems that New Zealand scientists uh, have uh, some kind of love for Lord of the Rings, <laughs> uh, I would say. Um so, because I was thinking, it made me laugh, actually, because if you think back to the inception uh, of Critter of the Week, uh, which, you know, back some eight or more years ago, was, I think, me having a, a tantrum about why didn't no one cared about Smeagol the gravel maggot. So we <laughs> yeah. we, are, we are born of Lord of the Rings references. <laughs> um, but there was also, um, a uh, back about 10 years ago, there was a wasp um, named after um, Lord of the Rings characters over after Hobbits because it was a small type of wasp um, and then in, there is a, the Gandalf crab which we've talked about as well so you know I think it's great it's um, yeah. the rationale it's
0: a very New I'm Zealand not, thing even though that those books weren't written in New Zealand but they were filmed in New Zealand and I think we've sort of claimed them right? Yeah
1: we've claimed yeah. Basically, basically, isn't it part of the history of New Zealand now that we had hobbits and um, <laughs> yeah. now we name tiny insects after? <laughs> I think so. Um, so, it also, it's only found here in Tewaipaunamu in the South Island where, okay. um, given, uh, that's where basically most of the filming was done down here in S- this beautiful place.
0: Yeah, indeed. Um, Sillard sil- sil- isn't a word that a lot of people would know, What it? It's not like, um, it's not in common usage.
1: No, it's not, but um, what it's um, sometimes called is pl- plant life or jumping plant life. Ah. Um, but they're not, you know, like if you get, I have a, um, a, a Mount Cook lily that I try and grow at home um, and, and it's a very painful process for the plant and for me. Um, and it it gets attacked by whiteflies and aphids and I'm constantly out there picking blooming aphids off it. Um, psyllids are related um, to them, right? So, but they they aren't they aren't lice. We just call them that, I suppose. Cylids,
0: yeah. Suppose. Cylids not to be confused with aphids. Apparently, silids are more flattened in appearance, um, and they look like little cicadas.
1: They look like tiny cicadas. Um, any keen gardeners out there uh, will know about them, or farmers, because they can become pests of. Particular potatoes um, <laughs> potatoes and tomatoes so uh, you will be familiar with psyllids if uh, you grow either of those things but here in New Zealand we have um, so there are around 4,000 or more species of psyllid around the world and what's um, what people know about psyllids if you if you are so inclined and you're into psyllids is that they are generally very host specific so they they have evolved to be a tomato psyllid or a potato psyllid. ah uh-huh. A
0: kawwhai psyllid. A yeah, which makes it a particularly native psyllid.
1: Correct. Um, and we have about 73 species of psyllid, uh that, that have been named uh, and 47 still undescribed. So mm. uh, there are some psyllid scientists out there busy working their way... N-
0: not enough of them by the sounds of things.
1: <laughs> no. Um, and it was um, scientists from... Um, uh, sorry, scientists Francesco Martoni and Karen Armstrong, who um, were kind of working on this particular psyllid and and realised uh, they they basically cracked an 87-year-old mystery, which was why, uh, so for psyllid scientists, they would look at kawwhai trees and they would look at the psyllids found on it and couldn't understand why they looked uh, different, right? Uh, that every time they found them they, that, that, that they had different appearances right. and that's because in fact there was a tiny species living, nested within if you like so we've talked about this a lot with um, some of our herpetofauna our lizard um, mm-hmm. species in New Zealand where they might all look the same but when you talk to a herpetologist they say oh no but there's such and such skink only yeah. has three and a half scales behind its left eye and this one has five um, so uh, so it's quite important, um, it's it's basically a a species hiding in plain sight. Mm -hmm. And the challenge with that from a taxonomic perspective is you might accidentally lose a species and never know because they were tucked, nested within, you know, living next to another one that was similar. So Uh which is why it is so important um, for all of you aspiring or existing scientists out there that we give our scientists a lot of love in this time of Craziness with what's going on in our kind of environmental world
0: mm. um, An informational if, world. What's that? Informational world. You know, the world of facts.
1: Facts, evidence. Difficult evidence time
0: to, to be a science a scientist.
1: Yeah. yeah, we need as many as we can, please. But if you are trying to kind of scratching your head and trying to work out what a, um, core fly looks like, ti- you're quite right. It's a tiny wee bug with a spotty wings, so it does look like a sort of cicadary type thing, um, and. But I would say I would struggle to see one at um, under one and a half millimetres.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: I have now reached the point where <laughs> apparently after you turn 40, yeah. you can't see stuff properly anymore.
0: Oh, it starts um, to decline and you think, oh, this is a new one. And then it, rec- it declines so fast that you can't keep up with the new glasses as you need them.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. I, I got a new pair of glasses last year. and I was horrified actually because I went to the optometrist some, uh, probably three or four years ago and... He said, "Oh yes, well you have still got twenty, you know, twenty-twenty vision." And I was like, well, "Why can't I see anything?" And he went, "Because you're old."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's not ex- like, they're not exactly cheap, are they? I feel like we've um, got off course here, Nicola.
1: <laughs> no, Those two middle-aged people complaining. <laughs> yeah, Listen,
0: yeah, <laughs> middle-aged people complaining. <sighs> Our new show.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something new. Uh, let's go back. Remember
0: when we started Critter of the Week? We were both young.
1: Yeah, and you—you you only had like maybe one or two
0: kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Road. Oh well. Okay. So back to the psyllids. Um Difficult to see, but uh, even if you can't see it, you can guarantee it'll be sucking on sap. Love sap.
1: Love sap, and um, produces honeydew out the other end. So. Um, if you are familiar with the beech forests of New Zealand, um, you will know about the scale insect. And if you're you know, so inclined, you might have even tasted um, the honeydew that comes out the long anal tube of the scale insect, um, apparently.
0: And they call it honeydew. That's a pretty good euphemism, isn't it? Good work to the PR team for the scale insect. And and, and fire are the same.
1: Exactly. So they also have... Um, uh, they also poop out honeydew, uh, and but I, I, what I really wanted to talk about was their their behaviour and um, their life cycle. So basically, what they're doing is they're just plugging themselves into the you know into the stem of a plant and just kind of sucking like they're getting all the good stuff out of it, which is why your plants start to suffer. Um, but their life cycle. So let's think about this: the females might grow of a hobbit. Uh, solid. the female might grow to two millimetres long at which point you and I would be putting on our new glasses she but when she um lays eggs on a new plant so she puts she's got a, an ovipositor like a wetter right mm. so basically like a, a, a bit that she just jams into the plant this is a blade like ovipositor she may lay up to 415 eggs how big are the eggs and how do 450 into something that's only two millimeters long? True, true. That blew my mind. Um, yeah. And yeah, they go through five what we call instar phases. So they're changing shape and colour, and then they molt, and then they turn into another bug, and then they molt, and then they t- and eventually they come into turn into the tiny beautiful little thing that they are. And it takes them about. 45 days, unless, of course, the weather's really warm, which really ramps up how fast they
0: can grow. That that entire life cycle, that entire beautiful world going on and observed by almost no human beings just happens without our knowledge and without us having anything to do with it. If you look at that photo, which is on our website, rnz.co.nz slash jessie, how would you rate its attractiveness on a scale of 1 to 10?
1: Do I do you always telling me off for this? Because I give it points because I love I love a um I love a um a a hobbit. So it gets points for that. Yeah, it, it looks like it's wearing like a a Paula Bennett style kind of leopard, leopard print blouse really, doesn't it? It's got like yeah. kind of a spotty nature of it. It's got cool looking eyes. i reckon it's probably a three.
0: I think they still a little appreciate that uh, comparison more than Paula Bennett, but yes, three out of ten, very good. People can check it out on the website for themselves and Nicola Tookie. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks, Jesse. Have a great weekend.
0: Here's Wallace Chapman in the panel.